Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education, brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined again by Tom Rosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitive Lipper and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Thanks for having me, Diane. Appreciate it. Tom, you recently published your report for September 2020, which covers over 500 closed-end and interval funds. How did investment markets generally perform in September, and what was the impact on closed-end funds? Well, you know, this is the first month since we had the great crash, uh, March, the COVID-related crash uh, in March, that we've actually had negative returns. We've seen the NASDAQ, we've seen the S&P, we've seen a whole bunch of uh, securities, even the first part of this month, actually hit net new highs. But I think investors felt this was getting a little long in the tooth. Even though we had a great, spectacular run-up in tech and stay-at-home stocks, investors kind of shrugged off the increase in non-farm payrolls for August. And now I know a lot of people are going to say, what are you doing bringing August? You got to remember this is what drove September. We had 1.4 million new jobs added, and let's say regained. And the unemployment rate dropped from 10.2 in July to 8.4 uh, in August. And so September, uh, you know, people were kind of saying this is good. But a rising number of COVID cases, um, you know, the continual Sino-American uh, trade conflict, and particularly the uncertainty of the upcoming November elections, I think had a lot of people concerned. And so, again, they took those hard-won profits off the table. And uh, how this played out was basically in September, equity funds lost about 2.56% on a NAV basis. But on a market basis, they'd lost even more, 4.89, not too unusual in that area. Fixed income funds did stay on the positive side, but only to the tune of 0.02%. But as a, we'll take a six-month of uh, positive returns. Uh, on a market basis, they were down 0.62. But let me talk, because this is the quarter, right? So quarter three, we still are positive. Third quarter returns for equity funds, this is going to be NAV only, 3.81% for equity funds. Fixed income funds were up 3.63. And while year-to-date... They're still, again, this is going to be equities first, still down 9.36%. I think we're going to have, as we talk, you and I talk a little bit later on here, energy, master limited partnership, and natural resources are the reason they're down so large. Fixed income months are only down year-to-date 1.06%. Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month and which sectors struggled? Well, let's, in the past, you know, we've talked about kind of the macro groups. This is how we kind of put like funds together. We have classifications, but we want to kind of group those so we get a big picture. So we've broken the equity funds down into mixed asset, world equity, and domestic equity, and I gave it to you in the order of their ability to mitigate losses. Mixed asset funds lost about 1.19%. Those are usually convertible securities and income preferred stock funds. Uh, world equity funds uh, were down 1.80%. But remember I told you a little bit about energy, master limit partnership, and certainly the uh, natural resources funds taken on gen. Domestic equity funds were down 3.21%. Now, in this group, though, if we take a look, we saw real estate funds actually only lose about 0.46%. And income and preferred stock, remember I was telling you guys about the mixed asset funds, they were down 0.97, but at the very bottom of the barrel, when we take a look at the domestic equity funds being dragged down so severely, energy MLP funds basically lost 11.80% for the month, and natural resources were down 9% even. Now, taking a look at fixed income funds is not quite as dour. Basically, what we saw is domestic fixed income funds were up 0.30%. Muni bond funds were down 0.16%. 
and world taxable income funds were down 0.93%. And if we take, again, a break out of those, people were basically in a risk uh, averse mode. It wasn't necessarily totally risk off, but risk averse. So we saw U.S. mortgage funds rise to the top, returning about 0.92%. It's pretty handsome for a one-month return. Loan participation funds, so people were really concerned about inflation for the second uh, month in a row. They were up 0.80%. But at the bottom of the barrel, we're taking a look at it. Emerging market hard currency debt funds were down 272 Corporate debt, triple B rated, again, people just taking their foot off the pedal a little bit, down 0.79, and high-yield leveraged funds were down 0.49%. Is this a change in what you saw from August? It is. It's the first month since we had the COVID-related market crash that equities actually uh, witnessed a downside performance, uh, you know, and investors appeared to be a little bit more focused on inflation, even though, you know, month early they did the same, you know, uh, last month loan participation funds actually were among the top performers for August and September that continued. But yes, from an equity standpoint, uh, again, this was quite a change, uh, you know, 180 degree change as far as uh, returns went from positive for five months in a row to, uh, I'm going to say pretty solid negative returns. Are you expecting these trends to carry over into October? I do. Uh, until we get done with the election in November, I think uh, all eyes are going to be, first of all, on unemployment. The employment numbers have been, came in pretty strong uh, this month already, but it was at a slower rate than before. Um, again, I, I think when you're, you're still you're talking about you know 1.2 million new jobs and the like being added, I, I think that's still a good thing, but again, it's uh, slower. COVID cases and People are calling the uh, the double whammy of you know having flu season in COVID cases. So I think people are going to keep an eye on uh, fall and see what happens there. And of course, you know there's been a lot of unrest in the streets. And again, I think people are just going to wait to see what happens with the November election. So I do expect a lot of volatility to be around. Investors often monitor the way closed end funds trade in relation to their net asset value. What were the trends in premium discount behavior for September? Well, with the market decline, I don't think anybody would be surprised that, uh, that I'm going to say the median discount for all closed-end funds basically widened about 80 basis points. The average closed-end fund, again, this is both equity and fixed income, traded a 9.36% discount to its NAV, right? So its market price was below its NAV price by about 9.36%. And it is worse much deeper, much broader, much wider, whatever term you want to use, than our 12-month moving average median discount of 7.98%. Now, if we take a look at the equity and fixed income break, and I think it's important because I think most of the problems are in the equity side uh, as far as a, a steepening or widening of discounts. Equity closed-in funds basically widened about 144 basis points to close the month out at 13.36% uh, as far as the median discount goes. And fixed income funds, they did also widen about 40 basis points, but to I think a more comfortable 7.60% discount to its NAV. So that's the story on that side. How do current premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages? We are quite a bit higher than we, than we were. Again, so I gave you all funds, discounts, and equity and fixed income. I'll kind of give you the same as far as 1031-2019, so literally one year ago versus 930 a couple of days ago. All closed-in funds were at a 6.36% discount on 1031-2019, but 114 of those funds out of almost 600, actually, uh, and it, actually it's a lower number because I, I'd be including uh, interval funds there, which don't have a, a premium or discount, but 114 were at a premium. On 9-30-2020, we were at a 9.36% discount, and only 63 funds were trading 
in uh, premium territory. Now, the main thing I want to point out, I'm not going to go through each one of them, but on the equity side, we went from 6.38% and uh, fixed income was 636 so they were very close. But we saw that equities went from 6.38, 54 trading under premium, to 13.36, almost a doubling, and only 22 funds trading at a premium. So that was quite a change that we've seen. And again, most of it's been with people, I'll say, kind of fleeing the equity area during this time of uncertainty. Which sector saw the greatest change? Municipal bond closed-in funds saw the largest narrowing or improvement of their discounts in September, only 13 basis points. They went to 7.33 as a median discount for that group. But on the flip side, we take a look at world income funds. Remember I told you that emerging market hard currency debt kind of had a a tough time. So we saw world income funds actually uh, witness the largest widening of discounts, 239 basis points. Uh, but only to 7.95% discounts, so, uh, certainly the uh, equity uh, discounts are still much higher than even kind of the riskier world income funds as well. Tom, areas of the economy continue to improve, but there are still some economic uncertainties, and we have an election in just a few weeks. With that backdrop, are there sectors where investors may find particular opportunities, given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages? Um, yeah, there are. And, and again, uh, I, I, as I've said in the past, it all depends how much risk you're willing to bear. At some point, these markets will probably turn around. And then when I say these markets, you know, we could keep in mind that we really had a tech and stay-at-home rally. Uh, we haven't really seen a rally in other areas. Uh, I think the bond funds are, are – because the Fed recently came out and said, listen, we, we don't plan on raising rates for maybe a few years, that I don't think people have to worry about too much uh, you know, spike in interest rates, so to speak, that would actually uh, cause the rally in bonds to go away. But I still think people kind of in the short term to medium term are really still looking at uh, – you know, solid balance sheets, highly rated quality issues. Now, that said, if we take a look at some of the areas where there is potential, if we take a look, for instance, real estate funds, people are, are still looking for income, so income potential. Real estate funds are still down 8.07%. Now, the problem here is that we all know that New York and a few other big states are having problems in their commercial real estate space, but we're in great news, you know, as far as new signings of uh, single-family homes, you know, the new home sales are up. So, so it all depends what side of the fence you're on. Are you, know, are you willing to go kind of in that area? Utility closed-end funds basically are down 13.31% for the year-to-date period so far. So there is an opportunity there. Now, on the safety side, which I was talking about, and maybe even on the inflation side, if you think we're going to get inflationary, which the, the Fed said they're going to allow uh, interest rates to run a little bit hot, or I should say the economy to run a little bit hot, not too worried about uh, pulling the plug putting any stoppers on. U.S. mortgage funds did pretty well this month, and they're down 6.38% for the year so far. And loan participation funds, which, again, has been kind of a pariah as of late because people have not wanted to necessarily bet on inflation, they're still down 4.79%. But on the pure contrarian play, and if you really want to buy some deep, deeply uh, troubled uh, areas, and again, I, I, I personally i am a little concerned with these areas because I don't know where they're going, Energy Master Limit Partnerships are down 61.8% for the year. Now, I, I, if anybody's even considering that, they have to go look at some of the most uh, recent changes in taxation and some of the other areas. There is a reason why these guys are down so much. The other area is natural resources. Who knows what oil and gas is going to do here now? Uh, you know, right now, we're talking about it down 40.24%. Uh, and on the fixed income side, if people are willing to take chances, emerging market debt is down 8.86% year-to-date. So these could be potential buying opportunities, but I will tell you this, 
I am not very sanguine on these points, uh, you know, on these classifications, but it's certainly, you know, from a contrarian play, uh, there is some opportunity, I guess, for upside. Tom, you also follow interval funds, which typically offer a limited quarterly liquidity to investors. How have interval funds generally performed over the first three quarters of this year? It's been a, somewhat of a tale of two cities. If we take a look at it, again, I told you we have about 605 funds out there. 126 of those are interval funds. 476 are actually conventional closed-end funds. If we take a look at it, though, and I look at domestic equity funds, and I'll kind of give you an idea of just a couple of groups, a couple of classifications where we know that the funds have almost equal number within the classification. If I, if I give you, let's say, an XYZ fund beat their conventional closed-end funds, but there's only one versus 20 or 25 or even 50, that's not fair. So domestic equity funds on that side, we saw that they actually mitigated losses better on a year-to-date basis, down 5.29% on domestic equities. It's not a classification. That's a macro group I was telling you about. That's 42 funds versus the other funds in that domestic equity group. Keep in mind that we have energy MLPs and like in there, down 17.50%. There's 115 funds. So, you know, they've done better, but let's get down to the classification level where we've seen it. Real estate funds actually did outperform. We see about 29 real estate funds in the interval fund space. They were down 4.61%, so they have mitigated losses better than some of the other conventional closed-end funds, which were down 18.10%. Now, here we had 29 interval funds versus 10 conventional funds, so that's quite a difference. But again, real estate outperformed. But on the sector equity side, we saw an underperformance by interval funds. They were down 1.13%. There's seven funds out there. And then if you take a look on the uh, conventional fund space, we saw that the sector equity funds uh, actually were down 1.46%, and there were 17 funds out there. So a little bit of difference. We had the same thing on the domestic taxable fixed income side. About 68 funds are considered interval funds. They had a return of minus 2.58 versus conventional funds. that had a return of minus 0.311, uh, 111 funds there. So the main winner in that area was the loan participation funds. They were down 2.71. There's 27 funds in that group that call themselves interval funds versus about 30 funds that are conventional closed-end funds. They were down 6.64. So um, I have other examples of negatives, but I don't want to draw this out too much. With interest rates likely to remain at the current low levels, can interval funds be an interesting option for investors looking for higher-yielding investments? They do. They have the ability to allow me, uh, you, and other people to actually go into some of those private placement uh, investments that are very much less liquid, and and that's a good thing in some ways because they can get a higher yield, higher return, so, so yes. But you have to be a buy and hold person in in this, and, and I've talked about this uh, before. Um, you know, while a lot of the funds say they will do periodic redemptions, usually it's quarterly, some are semi-annually, some are annually, but most of them are quarterly, um, and they say up to five to twenty-five percent. In any of those lines, it also says subject to the manager's opinion or ability to actually do those type of redemptions. So it is a double-edged sword, and I think you have to be able to, you know, understand that you may not be able to redeem. So. The one nice thing about this, and again, there's that double-edged sword part, is you won't have to worry about the fund having to sell into pressure. A lot of the stuff is illiquid. A lot of the stuff hopefully is being marked to market on the right basis, but they certainly won't have to sell into like open-end funds to, to meet redemptions and the like. And of course, they can turn off the redemption spigot if they want. But on the other thing, and you may not be able to redeem when you want, but it does take the emotion out of the equation. You, you really aren't going to be given the choice to jump, even if the market does an about-face here shortly. Some investors may be concerned about increased market volatility with the election coming up and COVID-19 continuing to impact the country. How do you see these funds benefiting an investor if they are concerned about market volatility? 
Well, I think that's it. I think that's probably, if you're worried about an increase in the market volatility, what I was just saying was probably the main point. I'm able to uh, you know, get into this fund, and, and this is where the problem is. I may not be able to get out when I want, but again, a lot of time investors actually get out at the wrong time. They actually sell at the bottom and they buy at the top, and this will lock in that ability for you to sell at, at your whim. But on the flip side, uh, again, investors have to be concerned that if they want to get out or need to get out, they may not be able to get out. But uh, again, it takes out that emotional aspect, and certainly I do not have to worry about the fund having to sell into those pressures. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Diane, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.ceva.com.